Welcome to the Tech Aunties Podcast, where we're bringing you industry context and vision from myself, Angelia McFarland, and Gina Rosenthal. On each podcast, we will share our marketing and technology industry experiences along with the tea. Listen to us as we explain the past so you can have context to understand and create your own version of the future. So let's get into it. Well, good morning, Angelia. How are you? I am excited and I'm doing great. Wow. Okay. That's good. But I'm always excited. I I can tell. (laughs) And we have a guest today. Uh, We have Marion Newsom. Marion, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. It's so good to hear. I'm glad that you're doing well. Let me give you an introduction, but I want you to talk a little about yourself because I know you love to do that. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) Marion Newsom works as the Portfolio Manager for Security and Resilience at Dell, which sounds like an awesome position. Love to hear more about that. She is not a newcomer to the technology world. She is, I think, also a tech auntie. She has been in technology for quite a while, uh, is a very technical woman. She used to tell me stories whenever I would complain about some of the things I had done, of having to lay cable and heels and a skirt and those little bow tie things they had to wear back in the 80s. Did oh, I, wow. Is that is that right, <laughs> yeah. Marion? That's that's right. I used to work for EDS. I was in their software development program. Started out as a network administrator there. Uh, and yeah, it was a requirement that women could not wear pants during that time. And so you actually had to have your little trendy business suit on with heels and, and hoses and out there laying cable. Oh, wow. That is so crazy. <laughs> you're the original tech auntie. Hey, yeah. You're, oh, you're, you're the old grandmother at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, not us. I'm just going to say. <laughs> I was thinking about it the other day. I thought, well, you've been in this game a long time from Fortran to AI. So it, it's been a long journey. You have coded in Fortran? I have. There are you there are not many of you left. And most of no, them most of them dying. are men. Exactly. And and we are literally a dying breed. And so um one of my uh one of my really big uh goals for this year is to really uh reach out and mentor uh other women to come into the tech field. I uh, recently had an incident. I'm sorry, Gina. Are we done with the introduction? I, I, you know, well, this how is part of your talk, introduction. So. Just keep going. I'd let it flow. You <laughs> okay. know me. You know me. Uh, so I recently, uh, I had a, a health scare here recently. Uh, and one of my nurses, I was talking to her. She asked me, what did I do for a living? I told her. Uh, and we got to talking about technology in general. And she told me, oh, yeah, I used to be an engineer. Um Really loved it. Uh, had this advanced degree in engineering. Wow. Uh, and she left engineering because of the toxic environment for women. Uh, and so it really made me think back to when I first entered into technology. Uh, and I was really saddened that it hasn't changed culturally enough yeah. that we still have very talented young women leaving the field 
um, due to the same reasons that they left when I started. So yeah. um, one of my, like I said, one of my goals this year is to really start pushing and getting other women, young women engaged into the STEM field. I think that's awesome. That's one of the reasons we started this podcast actually was just that, that we have been in the industry for so long. And um, yeah, we've experienced, I think all of us have experienced that same toxicity. It takes a lot to stay in the tech industry as a woman and it still does. And I absolutely hate it when I see the young women with so much promise and the men too, that aren't expecting to come you know, kids like my my kids' age and, and younger, they're not expecting to come do what they love to do and have to interact with such toxicity. So um, I, I hate it. And I think that's that's great. Um, we can talk about this some more maybe at the end, but in Austin, they have a great um, um, women in tech in Austin's group. And so um, I don't know if they have the same where you are, but like here, it's fantastic and and. I would recommend everybody in Austin join that group. I've 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 gained a lot of things just the the camaraderie and being able to interact with the younger women has been great. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, that's good. So, um, since I think it's interesting that you talk about Fortran, um, which what were you actually coding? Um, what what kind of? So I was were- actually working in the finance industry. So we would actually EDS had this uh, proprietary software package that we would go. We would code it. We would go and install it at the different credit unions and banks during that time. And so that's really how I kind of got into it. I thought, oh, uh, this will be fun. And then I realized, okay, you're literally dying out here in this skirt. (laughs) (laughs) I would literally have on four items of clothing, a skirt, some like biker shorts or (laughs) shorts underneath. Oh, Uh, my goodness. But it was extremely challenging, but I did learn a lot um, <laughs> and it piqued my interest. I'm always a person who asks five different why questions. It drives people crazy. Yeah. Um, That's why I love but it. But it, <laughs> it also allowed me to start looking at why do we do this? Why is this this way? And so I got really interested in process. And then mm-hmm. from there, I got into um, auditing. And from there, security, I became an ethical hacker. Uh, worked for the security practice at Accenture. Uh, then I was recruited to Dell, and I, I hate to say this, 17 years ago. I just I keep Ooh. seeing that number every time I see it, and it it I'm like, you know, you were young once. You wanted to do so many things, and you're 17 years. Like you're uh, not that it's a bad thing, and I, I've been blessed. Um, but now, as I come to the next stage of my career, I'm thinking there's so many things you want to do that you haven't done yet. That next chapter look like, yeah. Um, and so at at Dell, I've had roles in um, finance. I started out as an IT auditor. I went to social media marketing. I was on an M and A team. Uh, I met you when I was in product marketing. That's right. Um, Went back uh, after uh, after uh, the product marketing role. I actually went back into uh, global operations uh, and ran a lifecycle PMO. Uh, and so I thought, oh, maybe it's time for you to kind of start dialing back. Uh, as you know, I had a major health scare. I've uh, been dealing with that for the past four years. Uh, and so I thought, well, take an easier role. And so I went into, uh, I probably shouldn't say that, <laughs> take a less stressful role. 
and so I went back into security uh, as a portfolio manager, uh, managing any projects that um, the Dell uh, Central Security Organization um, uh, is involved in or manages for our uh, business unit security officers. That's a big deal right now. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think when you decided to um, take something that was uh, less time consuming and stressful, you 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 did it at a time when security was not <laughs> on everybody's mind. It has has it yeah. has it turned out to be the right move, or um, did security end up being also something that was very time consuming and stressful? So I, I would say, I, I would say, did I make the right choice for my circumstances? Yes. Uh, but now that I've been miraculously healed, right, <laughs> uh, I want to get back into the flow of things. I want to be more active. Um, I So this is my first time sharing this publicly, but I recently had an organ transplant. And so while I was dealing with um, everything health-wise, there were so many things that were going on in security that I was just dying to get into. I guess I couldn't use that word. But yeah, I was no, really don't use excited. that one. <laughs> I was really excited about uh, getting into and seeing where security is going. And I kept thinking, ah, but, you know, your priority needs to be getting well. Yeah. And so now that I received my transplant, I'm like, oh, I can go out and do these things. Uh, and so I'm really excited about where security is going. Uh, as a field, uh, and the different disciplines that are coming about with new technologies like AI um, and machine learning, those type of things. So I'm really excited about where the future of security can go uh, and where I can go. Um, And then just the need for more diverse skill sets, more diverse thought processes uh, within security, because there's so many uses outside of Hey, do we put a control here? Do we put encryption here? Protections against ransomware? Mm. There's still a human component to security that is really kind of getting lost. Yeah, I think all of this kind of goes together with what we wanted to talk about because we wanted to talk about algorithms. And I think even the Fortran stuff kind of goes together with that. So that means you were, were you working, was the data stored in mainframes at that time? Or had it already oh, moved to yeah. three tier? <laughs> yeah, so yes, I, things were stored in mainframes, and now we've moved to uh, things can be stored anywhere. They can be stored on the cloud in your personal devices. Um, uh, non-animated devices store your your data, and you don't even, or you may not even be aware of it. Uh, I think of things well, like like, um, like glucose monitors. Right, oh, there's yeah. a whole big push. Right. That data is stored. That is, and those monitors are being recycled uh, and put back out into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. There's so many different things. Your refrigerator, your your personal habits, um, yeah, are stored. You know, and so I may have something on my grocery list. I don't want my refrigerator telling the world to, so I can receive ads about product. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking a follow up question. <laughs> Well, technically, though, (laughs) to get started, that is an algorithm that when you say algorithms that do harm, um, it it removes individual choice from from the equation. So um, 
Gina was Gina started by talking about Fortran and and algorithms. I think we've talked on the podcast a couple times about the fact that AI is a lot of co- complex, fancy math. <laughs> yes. Um, right. But, but this concept of algorithms was was is not new. We've been doing algorithms since, well, even before computing. But when you were doing your work um, back at EDS, you, those were algorithms as well, correct? Or am I? They were. They were, and they were things that went wrong. Uh, some of the algorithms that went wrong is some of the reasons we have compliance laws right now <laughs> around uh, Gramm-Leach-Bliley and, and financial data. Um, so yeah, algorithms have been going wrong uh, because humans code and, and we're not perfect. Uh, and there are coders who have different um, motives uh, for having uh, different hooks in code, right? And so that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if I have to code the um, the AI code, I still have. I still may have in my mind uh, because I'm like a doomsday prepper. I want to always have a backdoor or a secondary into my code, and so I'm going to have that. I don't care what I'm coding for uh, or or who, right? And because if something goes wrong. I want to be able to get in there, uh, get to my code and fix my code. That's not going to change. Um, we see it in, in the meltdown at Southwest uh, over the Christmas holiday. They're saying, oh, it was our computer system. I'm not sure I believe that because I'm like I said, I'm a paranoid Tuesday for a Well, I think one of the ways we can see like how it how it's the same is um, the mainframes could store so much data. And we've mm-hmm. just caught up to that, well, and increased it, of course, as as technologies increase with how storage can work and even servers at this point, just how big those disk drives can be. But we're finally at the point, I think, the ways in why we can use AI to automate these algorithms or to even run algorithms that are so complex is because now we have the server power and we have these entire data lakes of digitized data. And we used to call this before we got back into the AI, this was all about big data and big data analytics. And right. And so I think, you know, to your point, yeah, all humans have bias. That's how we create societies. That's like how we work as humans. And when we're working at creating an algorithm or something like that, we or, or any kind of coding, it is our job. It should be the job to try to remove this, identify the bias and remove the bias. But there's bias in the data itself, right? There is. Yeah. There is. Can you think of some examples of that or? Well, so, so just the, just the, uh, the, uh, oh, I forget what we call it in marketing. I'm showing my, Tech grandmother, uh, Tennessee. <laughs> you have a tech grandmother uh, moment. <laughs> but no, it's the original tech auntie, <laughs> not the tech grandmother, Marion. <laughs> okay, the original tech auntie. Oh, gee. Uh, yeah. Moment, uh, but just some of the demographical information that we gather. Right when I I use my refrigerator when I register it, I, you collect um, my age, my sex, my my location. Uh, and so if I am a person who self-identifies for something differently than what you would think I am, 
or I don't want you to know, I'm I'm not going to give you the correct data, right? And so immediately you put me in a profile, you start running things, uh, ads to me, targeting me for ads, you start doing different things. uh, And that profile is out there in that data lake. uh, And then you have my email address and you link all of these things together. You may not have a accurate or complete picture of what type of consumer I am, what type of person I am. And then you start using AI to mine that data. Um, and hey, would hey, original tech Amy, would you like X, Y, and Z? We could fix this for you. Uh, and that may not be applicable to me. Or it could be saying, uh, you're not supposed to have that cheesecake in there. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? You can't get another right. cheesecake every one week. <laughs> I think another example I can think about is, you know, there was a case, I, I think in New York and in, in Louisiana, where a teenager was pregnant. And the way they found out was that all of a sudden she had, I guess, been registering for things online or looking at, you know, different things you look at when you first become pregnant online. And they kept sending ads in the mail, targeted mailers to her for somebody who was expecting a baby. And um, that could be dangerous depending on, you know, what that on the situation, that woman's the choice situation. was. It, it changed the, the, you know, she she didn't have a choice of when to announce it or like what she wanted to think and do about it was kind of done for her. And that data wasn't anything more than her internet searches. It could have been dangerous too. If it had been a um, family, uh, a family violence kind of situation right. too, so it could have it could have been physically dangerous as well, right? And and you get from that to, um, of course, I am also an older tech auntie, so I don't need mine anymore. But period trackers and things on your phone, which are pretty important because every time you go to the doctor, what's the first question they ask you? When's your last period start? You know, when you're younger, and I know lots of younger women now are like, well, we don't want to use those anymore because what if, you know, we live in a state already where there's very tight uh, restrictions on abortion. abortion. So right. don't want to use these anymore because what if that's something they can subpoena and, you know, charge you with doing something to your own body. So, um, so there's a lot of ways that it can do harm. So I want in that, in in, a, in those instances though, I want to, I want to highlight the fact that sometimes it's the algorithm doing harm. Sometimes it's the person pulling the data from the algorithm who's doing harm. Like those algorithms, you know, on on period trackers, those algorithms are doing what they're supposed to be doing. The problem is, is that that data data is is available to people who are doing things with it that benefit themselves, but not necessarily um, the person who owns who 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 that d- data belongs to. I'm saying who owns that data, which is also fraught with issues, right? Yeah. Do I own my right. own data? That's the thing, or does somebody else and, own uh, it? Yeah, I'm sorry, exactly. Well, no, no. I, so I love where you're going with that because if you mentioned the opt-in, right? And so when I'm reading that consent to opt into these different uses of my data, and my truly understanding of how that data could be used or misused. Um, as part of that algorithm and where where that data is actually being uh, transferred, sold, stored, yes. how is it secured? Um, and so that opt-in statement, and a lot of the times it's so long 
yes. that people don't read it. And so you just say, hey, I, I want to get my app installed. I want to uh, do this. Even with medical apps now, you yeah. go to the hospital, you're using the same email address uh, for your medical record. All of that data is stored somewhere. And you've probably said a thousand different ways your data has can be used that you're not even aware of. Right. I think And so it does come down to that misuse or that or those legitimate use cases that you said okay. Or even tying the data together, which you may not have said okay to, it just happened. So um the medical data is one, which I think is interesting. But if you think about that there's a huge in Austin here, actually I think City Council is talking about it tonight or tomorrow night, the whole idea of the police being able to uh, scan use devices to scan your license plates, and the 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 company that provides the equipment to scan the license plate saying you're driving around in public, and if the cops wanted to, they could stand by the side of the road and just take pictures. This is just you know automating that a little bit. It's the same thing. You're in public. The cops can see your license plates. They should be able to use a you know like a radar gun to get your license plates. Um, but what happens to that data when they take it? Um, already, there's a huge industry that allow that takes all the information that the police already have available to them, like all of your driver's information, which is where you live, your name, your address, the tax information, the same way, any criminal information, all of the things that are available to police without mm-hmm. getting a warrant. They now have these huge. Uh, data lakes that they they join together well if we give you this this radar that you can scan licenses with now you can also put those in and a lot of times the parking garages will sell the data they get because they scan every single the car that comes in and there's nothing that says you know that we're going to take this data and we're going to give it to the cops and do you if you don't want to do this don't park in a garage it just is what they do so that and the social media data comes all together. They can get a pretty good profile of where you are, who you are, what you're doing, and where you're going to be next. If they wanted to come and get you and follow you, they could. So those data lakes, I think one of the challenges with uh, with AI applications is now that we've got this perfect storm where you've got the ability to crunch through all of that data in real time, um, and will it be misused? And will it be misused as we've seen traditionally more on disenfranchised communities than it is other communities, which, um, you know, just judging by history, yeah, that's probably what is going to happen. And so there already have been examples of that happening. Mm. Um, uh, uh, I also belong to a social justice group uh, where people, they're taking their photo recognition software, taking those pictures off of social media. Uh, law enforcement is looking at those uh, using AI and photo rec to say, okay, this person uh, in this particular use case I'm thinking about, uh, it was a robbery at a gas station. They pull photos off of social media, which are publicly, hey, you put them out there, they're public. Uh, and this guy was misidentified as a possible mm-hmm. suspect and was arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Again, from one of the, a person of color, um, and so what impact does that, does that have on going forward? The identification of suspects, That's all of this huge. kind of it is. 
um, because we're so our brains is it's a social concept that when you hear me, when you see me, I am who you you you're used to me being. Um, but with the use of AI, with the use of f- even filters on social media, um, what I look like uh, on social media may not be what I look like in person. Uh, and the voice that you hear may not be it may not be what I said. Uh, you know, we're right. getting into fakes and, uh, and other uses of the technology, and there needs to be some type of ethics, yes. some type of transparent consent, uh, so you know exactly what your data is being used for. Exactly. And I want to go back to the fact the cops have the social media data, not because somebody's sitting on Facebook and trying to match it up. They literally have a huge data leak because they pay for these connections for one application that they use. And behind it, there is an AI algorithm that is doing the facial recognition, all the rest of it, and bringing back um, all of these things. I thought you were going to go a different way with the whole, I may not be who I look like on social media. So I was like, ooh, you got the fil- the good filters and the, and the angles? What are you doing? <laughs> hey, I'm, uh, uh, I, I, I'm the original tick, ain't it? <laughs> got some life left in me. I need to be out here. Okay, then. That's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of books that have been written on this too. I know one that I'm reading right now is called um, Weapons of Math Destruction by Kathy O'Neill. And um, she was, she is, I guess, a banker, a mathematician. Like, you know, she understands all the crazy uh, math that goes behind the algorithms. But she was working on Wall Street at the time of the, uh, what were those Wall Street protests called? Overthrow Wall Street or Occupy Wall Street? was going on and started looking into like what happens with the algorithms they have um, and how does that work? I talk with my friend Christina about this all the time because she lives in New Orleans and she has a house that she bought um, based on where that zip code is. And I have the same um, interesting experiences in the zip code that I live in. It's very interesting um, what's marketed to you. It's very interested, ha- interesting how our neighborhoods are seen when I don't see my neighborhood that way. And if you go to her neighborhood, it's the same way. It's a neighborhood with, you know, working class people, but like a lovely neighborhood where everybody knows each other and talks and everything. But the insurance is higher. It's almost like you're in a red line district and, and, um, and not withstanding what's actually going on. So what some of these old paper based, main phrased, mainframe based, um, um, what does it call biases they they've just taken those and left them in the big digitized data lakes and they're just reinforcing those all over again right so it's 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 really continued uh bias uh in not only how you market uh and then you put that with lifestyle data mm-hmm. um and then you put that with medical data uh, and there's, in, in, we're really living uh, at, at the beginning of an, a new technical wild, wild west. What, Absolutely. Where is my data? How's it being used? How am I being portrayed or perceived even before uh, I've had a chance to even interact with your company? You're targeting me based on data that may not be relevant. So, so, so I can't believe you have an AI, you have a, a fridge that's online, first of all. But like, so have you had any bad experiences so far? <laughs> So, no, I haven't, uh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, 
I did that simply because for convenience. A lot of the decisions we make now are based on convenience, yeah, right? That's true. Um, and then some of them are not, right? And so uh, me having a, my alarm system wanting to be even the ring yeah. cameras, the headlines this morning around Amazon uh, paying those uh, huge settlements uh, for the ring doorbell before they even acquired the company uh, and even the use of, of the Alexa devices. And so did you see uh, that she's making, so they, they were actually, people were watching videos, even people in their bathrooms and stuff. People people that worked at, yeah, at ring. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right. At ring, because you, again, we're back to that. How, how's my data used that consent form allowed them to, uh, tap into any camera anywhere uh, that they were installed. And so uh, these employees were using them to scare children, uh, oh. be very creepy, uh, uh, it, you know, all, all type of things, all type of uses. Uh, but when you sat down to code that and when you uh, thought about how it would be used, oh, yeah, there's all these great use cases for it, for mm. saving lives. Mm. But then you also have to think about the the misuses or the as they say in the medical field now the off label uses of your product <laughs> <laughs> and, so, uh, and there are that those, those many off label uses can uh, is it, up to that person's imagination what you would use it for uh, and so again we're back to what are the ethical and legal constraints that should be around some of the technology. Um, so, Mary, let me ask you what your thoughts. So right now, the reason that ethics is, in my opinion, this is this is an Angelia opinion only, is such a big deal is because we have ceded control of our data to institutions. And, and, and because that is the way it has always been, it seems normal to us. Right. Um, but I I see a future where the opposite is true, where they have to come to us and ask us for our data uh, versus them collecting it and holding it um, f- and, and us asking them for, for control. I just I just feel that we haven't begun the work to make that happen. So I would I would agree with that. Uh, and until but there has to be not only a culture shift, but a mind shift. Right. Mm-hmm. We're so used to them coming to us. And so are we actually creating models to support that opposite use, that opposite uh, use case that you just spoke about? Uh, so and then we're back to, again, that social concept of, oh, we believe that uh, Big Brother or whoever is has our best interest at heart. You have your best interest at heart. It's your data. And so you should be making decisions based on your best use, not what someone is is regulating or tell you what is your best use. Or a company is saying, oh, yes, I can make sure your refrigerator tells you you need milk before you even know it. Uh, you don't know what I'm using my milk for. I may not want you to know what I'm using my milk for. And how fast I'm drinking it. <laughs> but, you know, back in the day when things first started becoming digitized and we first got databases, people did not want to 
give people did not want to show their social security numbers. And we know that's a pr- primary key in a lot of cases. And I think back at that time, you did not have to give your, it was illegal to use a social security number to identify you. And I believe that has changed since, since now, but someone can tell me if I'm wrong. And there were all sorts of, um, I mean, I've told this story before, all sorts of resistance ways. I mean, there was a, I can't remember which grocery store it was. It must've been a national chain when the, the coupon, you know, like the, 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 Frequent buyer cards came out that where you get discounts. Also, you shouldn't have to get something on sale. You should not have to give your personal information to get something on sale. And Throng, they're going to identify you and your buying habits. This would be at the beginning. So you could sign up on a list. And I traded my, I sent my buyer's card to some single dude that lived in New York. And he sent me his poor little single mother in Northwest Florida. And, you know, we just traded to mess with the, mess up the, Mess up the database. Mess up the database so, so that they couldn't do it. So, like there was a, a bit of resistance from the older generation. Um, and Marion, you're my generation, so don't even try. So <laughs> a bit of resistance to 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 change things or just if we couldn't change it to to really poison the information. But I don't think that happens so much anymore. So I, I would so you mentioned generation. When we were coming up, right? When we were in high school, uh, people asked you and told you what your data was being used for. Yes. And it would, if I went to the drugstore, my information stayed right there at the drugstore. That's right. It wasn't available online to some worldwide chain uh, that was used selling that data yes. to for different marketing or other uses. That's not true. The people who are growing up now, I think about my nephew, they're so used to going online just I can go online, I can sign up for this, I can get this app. <laughs> give it all away. <laughs> Giving all this consent. And so that's been a shift, a cultural shift. Uh, but there are certain things that have remained the same identification-wise. Uh, if I'm a very good social engineer and I go to your, let's say, your Facebook page, you tell me where you were born. That gives me the first uh, sequence of your social security number. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've probably shown who you're connected to online, your mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, she may have her maiden uh, name there. So even through social engineering, just because of the difference in how we grew up and how the next generations are growing up, and they're just different uh, willingness or tolerant to share their data, uh, there has to be, as, as Angelia was saying, there has to be a shift in you come to me uh, not it being legislated or restricted. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's because it's a shift in, in human behavior. Mm. The social concept has changed. Well, that'd be interesting if we could get that shift going for sure. And I think we're going to have to start wrapping up. So, Angelia, did you have any more questions for the OG Tech Auntie? The OG Tech Auntie. I, I wrote down a question early on when you were talking. And it was, I wanted to ask you, do you feel that the toxicity has changed from your early days at EDS? And if so, because you, you, you talked about the, the, the toxic environment you worked in, having to lay cable with a dress. And then you talked about the fact that um, you met a young woman who left the industry because of the toxicity so do you feel that it's changed? And if so, how? 
So I feel that it has changed in that we have uh, young women and people of color who are more determined uh, to go into technology and see the benefits financially, intellectually to being in the field. We're getting stronger. People are stronger moral fiber, I guess we could say, who have a tolerance to say, I'm, I'm going in this field. I'm not naive that I will not be subjected to toxic environments, but whatever comes, I'm going to stick with it because it's for my personal benefit, for the good of my family, for the good of my community, et cetera. But the themes have not changed. Mm-hmm. They just have not. So I speak about, uh, it wasn't just the way I had to dress. Uh, It was even the assignments I was given because I was a single woman. Uh, And when you're uh, early in your career as a woman, uh, it it does affect your advancement. We talk about now, um, oh, she's in her 20s, 30s. You know she's going to have a baby. And so if we promote her to X, Y, or Z, we need to be uh, conscious of the downtime that that will bring. Uh, and now people have all type of family structures. And so that that type of bias has not gone away. They just don't um, say it anymore. They used to they say just, it openly. They, exactly. They used to say it openly. They don't say it anymore. They have a different, a thousand different keywords as to why. Mm. Oh, and then there's the microaggressions, right? Oh, we didn't think you'd be interested in this because X, Y, and Z. No, I'm interested in it because I, I also have a brain. It <laughs> stimulates me intellectually, uh, and it's in my area of expertise. Why wouldn't I be? Oh, we thought you'd be more comfortable uh, doing this. Even in security, there's more women in security in administrative-like functions mm-hmm. versus the actual technical, hardcore disciplines. And so why is that? Women have been in technology over 25 years now. Where do we see those actual CEOs and CIOs and CSOs that are women? We're still underrepresented, Yeah. period. That toxicity still exists. There's not enough women in leadership uh, who are proud women leaders, not, um, now I I don't want to use that word, uh, not women who imitate male leaders because there's not enough female mentors for female leaders. And so if my mentor is a male and he acts that way and he condones that type of environment for me to be successful, if that's what it takes, maybe I'll do that too. And so there's not enough breaking of the cycle. Mm. And I think we're losing a lot of great talent, a lot of great, uh, even just minor adjustments that could be made to technology, to culture, uh, we're missing out on because we're not accepting of the differences in thought, the differences in race, the differences in sex, the difference in in, uh, just self-identification. It's just, I hate it that we're still dealing with this type of stuff 25 years later. It's so dumb and it's so wasteful. It is. It's just wasteful. Well, now I feel like we need a little pep pep talk before we let her go. So, yeah, Gina hates to leave the podcast on a down note. <laughs> I don't like downers. Okay. Well, then, I, so then I'm going to get on my own personal platform. And so I mentioned earlier in the conversation, I'm a recent kidney transplant. Um, if you have the your if you have a passion 
or to help others who are in need, uh, please uh, sign up to uh, go be uh, to be a donor. Uh, There's so many ways now that medicine uh, enables life to continue past what we thought uh, and, and have a great quality of life. So I'm all for donors. My donor was a 30-year-old male. I thank him. I thank him. He's given me new life uh, and the energy of a 30-year-old, which is dangerous. <laughs> and the original tech, Amy. So <laughs> always, always speak life into everything that you do. Speak life into your body. Speak life into your career, into your dreams, into your imagination. Uh, that would be That's fantastic. Where do you have uh, a site that you would recommend people sign up to be a donor what's what's a good way for people to do that the american kidney foundation is out there uh you can um just ask your doctor when you go in for your annual okay and always take care of self-care always take care of yourself always know your numbers always know your numbers that's right that's right well Thank you, Marianne. Where can people follow you, get in touch with you on your wild adventures as a new OG tech auntie? (laughs) OTA. She's an OTA. OTA, okay. (laughs) Original Uh, tech auntie. (laughs) I may have to add that to my tagline. Uh, I'm I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter as at L-R-E-E-T-X. which is my alter ego. Uh, so, uh, and so that's, that's where you'll find me. Yeah, I have been warned. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. And um, hopefully we're going to see you in person down here one day soon. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've got some business I need to come down there and take care of. So I will be seeing you ladies soon. And thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, be on your platform. I really appreciate it. Oh, my goodness. We need more of this, you know, this this talking about the whole history of people's careers is so important. And oh, one thing I wanted to ask you before we leave, just real quick. Are there any pictures of you laying cable in one of those cute little outfits? I'm sure there are. Uh, do I have them? Uh, they're probably stored here somewhere in one of my photo albums. I'll see if I can find them. Oh, man, that would be so awesome. I want to see that. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I, I want to see that too. It might help me map out my plastic surgery journey. Oh, <laughs> oh my! Goodness. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Marion. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Tech Aunties podcast. If you have a topic you would like us to cover, please connect with us on LinkedIn and Instagram. You can also find this episode and others at techaunties.com. Until next time, y'all be sweet. <laughs>